What's up, everyone? It's Matt and Tall. We want to thank everyone for all the support, and we hope we're bringing you a little escape during these trying times. On this week's episode, we sit down with Mike Sherman of Chinatown Market. It's a fire episode, so make sure you give us that five-star rating, follow us on Instagram, and remember, all news is bad news. Stay safe. back we're back uh this is this is great and uh, this is big news right nice today. nice little treat today right um yeah thank you guys for having me yeah dude it's amazing well we uh we have a special guest today special uh, guest our friend mike sherman's in town it's from uh, chinatown market for for all you kids oh man so many more things but yeah you could yes. definitely start about the chinatown market yeah absolutely Matt, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like a crackhead right now. He's super excited. I'm so geeked out. Nah, man, how you doing? Because uh, I'm the graphic designer of the two. So, of like, to me, I was, I've been following your uh, trajectory for quite some time now. So it's cool to actually. I, I met you quickly in the hall, like about a, a couple months ago, yep. and I was like, still geeked out. And I was like, Nah, man, man I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, and crazy. I think it's because I think anyone who understands like what it takes to make anything, and you know, the struggle of oh. kind of trying to do this shit is really what we all can identify with. And while I think it's sometimes sad that like we now admire only entrepreneurs in this world i think there's something to be said about just diving all the way in and for me it's just like this is it yeah know, so. and it's like i think with the like you know the instagram culture and the social media everyone thinks it's so easy like you just like yeah. turned it on one day and you're like oh yeah chinatown market's my thing it's everyone. all those like stupid memes of like you know the the podium but then you don't see what's under the ground yeah, or whatever yeah. or and that, i think like, that's the iceberg yeah. with like the of so course much man like underneath. people just see okay tall's got all this budget to go do cool shit the palms <laughs> yeah. like yeah. like how the fuck did this dude get here yeah. who is like, this guy fuck this guy you know what <laughs> i mean it's like all the there's so yeah. many. You should, if I even, most people are probably like, man, your DM is probably a bunch of whores and fucking chicks. And it's like, no, it's a bunch of people just talking shit to me yeah. all day long. Trust me. Yeah, man. It's it's funny when people have this perceived understanding of, you know, who anyone is, even like an E-Tie or anyone right. else. Like, you know, these people that we watch and I mean, from his Instagram, sure, I'll be like, God damn, this dude is living a crazy oh, yeah. life. life. But you also don't know where he came from or what his life was like or oh, anything. Yeah. And I think, you know, whether or not you come from a rich background or a poor yeah. background, I think we all go through our own versions of struggles and it was interesting when I met a guy named Rich Hill when you know I had first got into the graphic design game and I was working on his SYLDD album which was uh, support your local drug dealer whatever but watching him and kind of seeing what his struggles were and you know while I sat there and was like, your dad's Tommy Hilfiger. You got <laughs> yeah. money. Like, yeah. your life is good. You live in a house in the hills. Like, I remember going out there for a week and designing for the guy and just being like, this is insane to see the pain that he has in himself. Yeah. And it's all just kind of, you know, segmented out because we may not understand why a guy who has millions of dollars can have pain, but it kind of helped me to understand that, seeing the highs and the lows of it all. Oh, uh, yeah. This. Absolutely. That's yeah. so cool. Well, let's, uh, let's start. Mike, yeah. let's... Uh, why don't we give some people like your background, like where are you from? How did it start? Of course. What was the beginning, middle, end? Yeah, I'll give a little <laughs> quick overview. I think I've done this a few times. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, so I'm born and raised in Westchester, New York. Um, you know, grew up in a small town, just kind of, you know, classic, just kids wearing Abercrombie and North Face and, you know, boat shoes and the, I don't know, just very small town vibes. I wasn't really around a lot of things, I think fashion wise, et cetera, but Fast forward to my freshman year of high school, I moved to San Diego. I was kind of exposed to skateboarding and, you know, kind of counterculture, you might say, et cetera. Um, and I think that all of that, I remember walking to my first English class and seeing a kid wear tight pants. And I was just like, why are your what pants you so small? You're wearing girls' <laughs> pants? And the dude's like looking at me and I'm wearing baggy like pants with like a rip in them or whatever. He's like, what the fuck are you wearing? You know, and it's just like this amazing yeah. kind of understanding that there are these differences. Like when I lived in New York, I had four kids in my whole high school who skateboarded. You know, when oh, I moved to San Diego, wow. it was like, that's normal. You grow yeah, up you, trying that. What do you mean like, you don't know how to skateboard? Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, once I did that move and, you know, moved to San Diego, I started seeing all these different things. And just that's when I really dove headfirst into fashion. You know, and for me, my dad worked in sales and fashion. My mom was a fashion designer. But it wasn't something that I acknowledged or cared about as a kid. And I think it's something that, you know, a lot of us as kids, it's just like when you have a coach telling you something versus your parents. For sure. You're going to probably listen to your coach. So, you know, fast forward to, I guess, being in San Diego, you know, just – 
trying to figure out what I was going to do. I was playing basketball. You know, I'm not going to be 6'5 and Duncan. Yep. You know, I was playing varsity, whatever, but it never amounted to something bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that was like my big goal. But I remember my junior year, I broke my hand while playing uh, beginning of that year, and I remember just starting to smoke weed and mm-hmm. started making T-shirts, and I started selling them out of the back of my car in high school. So after school, I would sell those shirts, and one of the shirts was a shirt of this kid in my class, and, you know, I made like 50 of them. I remember... How, how did you make, like, how how did you, like... Find out how to like go to a silk screener. Did you know? Yeah, about I just that? like I followed a bunch of different designers right. that I liked as a kid. I mean, yep. through Tumblr and yep. MySpace yep. and you know all these worlds. Like there was a clothing brand called Full Bleed, and this yeah. dude did all the graphics. Rob Doby for yeah, yeah. all these punk bands, hardcore bands, etc. And I just was obsessed with his like silhouette style, everything. Mm-hmm. And I was emulating it and trying to do it. And then I figured out the screen printer he was using in Alabama, and I was like, that's the one I'm using, even though I was <laughs> in San Diego. You know, it's just like the little things I would go through, etc. And yeah, I think it just like uh, it started off as this thing of just like, I'm going to make this shirt. And I remember I made this shirt. I remember just actually having some kind of hype around it. All my friends wanted this shirt. And the kid who I took the photo of, who I had signed a release for this document or for the image, basically uh, didn't get one. And I remember him fighting someone in the like quad of the school over the shirt. And I ended up getting pulled into the principal's office. And I was about to get expelled for selling and distributing on campus, yes. which is like selling drugs, but I was selling t shirts. Yeah. And I remember like that whole day was just crazy for my parents called up and were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, he's just selling t shirts. And that's kind of where I got dubbed this nickname, Mikey Merchandise, when I was in high school. And <laughs> it's just merchandise. A, yeah. And you know what, man? It was just like, I think from then on, it was this thing of just like, I knew what I wanted to do my right. my life you know and i think i finally found this thing that i was good at and that i could be special in and i didn't need to be six five and dunk to be able to do it you know and i think that's what felt so good to me that i moved to san diego i didn't have many friends i had a mac computer yep. i bootlegged adobe on my computer itself and i just sat there just teaching myself going on youtube and learning and just creating and i think you know that is what really kind of got me to where it was you know today because it's that whole idea of ten thousand hours and just grinding, putting your head down and just doing it. You know, fast forward a little bit, it was just like finding a screen printer in San Diego and learning about minimums. And, you know, I went to my local streetwear shop called Univ and there was this guy named Ali Yasha who worked on Alphanumeric oh, and yeah, he's absolutely. a legend. And, you know, Mirko Mangum and Tim Sward and all these guys who worked at Univ, which was like a small streetwear store in San Diego. They were the ones who sold BBC and Diamond and all these things that were popping when I was yeah. like early in high school. And I think for me, it was like, you know, going in there all the time, showing them my shirts, trying to talk to these dudes. And they started to, you know, take it in a little bit and kind of give me advice or, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of shut me down because I didn't know the fuck I was doing, you know, and giving me that real life kind of thing. And I think, you know, ended up interning for those guys and going through it. I remember like taping my first box and my boss just shitting on me because I just like took a skateboard, I shoved it into this right. like fucking box <laughs> and I just like jerry rigged it. And I think, you know, man, it's like, we all want to do this shit, but we don't know what it takes to do it yeah. all the way down to a fucking ship in a box to, you know, doing business to designing a t-shirt. Yeah, and I think, absolutely. you know, that's where when I moved to New York City, I basically, when I was a senior at high school, I just knew I wanted to go to Parsons. That was it. I wanted to go to Parsons. I applied to Parsons and FIT. I got the night from FIT. I got into Parsons. Yeah. I had a runway for one year. My parents said, hey, we have enough to be able to get you through one year of school, but you're going to have to get a scholarship after that. I went to Parsons, got to New York City. You know, I ended up interning for a company called Goodwood. Goodwood did all these like wooden jewelry chains. They made like 100K in a night off of selling wooden Jesus pieces. Whoa. And this was a huge thing at the time, popping on, you know, hypebeast, et cetera. But that was a, a time for me where I was going to Parsons, interning for this place, and then I ended up meeting Chase Infinite, who was uh, okay. the manager of ASAP Rocky at the time and uh, helped start AUG and all that kind of stuff. And I ended up just showing up to his like you know streetwear store in uh, in downtown New York called Prohibit. And Prohibit was this like place where all these meetings of minds, in a sense, and kind of people who I now see doing big things in streetwear and music, like Brock Marciano yeah. and all those people. Mm. It's it's just really interesting to to watch where it all went from because dudes like Rocky and all these people were hanging out there and I didn't really pay any yeah. attention to what was happening. Like Action Bronson was rolling these like 12-inch blunts out and like all this shit and I was just like, oh, it's this chubby dude from Queens that just put a cool music video out, yeah. you know, whatever. But funny to fast forward now and see it. But, you know, it, it was that time of like going to Parsons, ended up being at Prohibit, being around all this stuff when, you know, Drake did that A-Life session in the back yep. of A-Life yep. and, yep. you know, Rocky had his first session there and like, I remember I wasn't even old enough to go to these things but I was just in the mix of it all and it was just amazing to be there. That's what's so cool about New York. Of course, you know, and you know, grateful for the time I had with Chase and for all these people. And, you know, I think that that time was a pivotal time for me because it was in that time where I dropped out of school and it was that summer before I had to go home. Yeah. I remember I just had this thing where parents were like, you're either moving home after school or you can figure it out. And 
I was just like, fuck it, man. I'm doubling down on myself. I'm going for it and I'm going to do it. You know, and that summer I basically needed to find a job. I needed to figure out what the hell I was going to do. And I basically worked right next door to uh, Reed Space, which was run by Jeff Staple. And I, you know, wanted to work for, you know, someone. And I thought Jeff would be cool. So I knew he had Staple Design, this design agency, worked with people like Nike, et cetera. So I basically went to the Parsons Print Lab, used all my friends' credits, printed out these massive large format posters, covered the streets from where he lived to where he worked. (laughs) And it basically said, hey, Jeff, my name is Mike. I want to work for you. Had a Google Voice number, this whole little thing. It was massive. Um, And, you know, it was just funny because I was just doing something because I was in desperation. I needed to figure this out. But it was funny because Ben and Bobby Hundreds were in town that week and Ben, I mean, Bobby actually noticed these posters and posted a whole thing on the Hundreds blog kind of calling it shameless Mm self-promotion. And then Emeka Obi, a few other people had all written these things when Hypebeast blogs were a thing, et cetera. And it was just this interesting moment because I wasn't thinking like I was taking this coerce way to try to get a job, but these people had recognized it. Well, in the process of all that stuff, I had basically gone to go do this, and essentially in doing these posters, I had essentially gotten arrested in the subway. So I had walked down the subway, had these posters in my bag, and this dude taps me on the shoulder. He's like, yo, what are, what are those? And I'm like, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to get the job. Look at these posters. I'm putting them up all over the city, whatever. Guy's like, uh, put your hands behind your back. You're essentially, uh, you know, I was like doing graffiti, we, we pasting yeah, essentially, but yeah. And I, I, for me, I'm just like, I'm trying to get a job, oh, man. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm not really, uh, yeah. you know. That's so crazy too. Cause like nowadays everyone's like, Oh, I just hit him up on the DMS. There's exactly. like slide, just email. Like, Don't no you DM know somebody then, that man. knows somebody? Get that it's blue like, check mark. And it's another 50% of him reading it. Exactly. <laughs> sure. And I think, you know, man, that moment of like sitting in the tombs in, you know, in New York and just like watching these people who was a guy was like, oh, I didn't mean to stab my girlfriend. Like, right. uh, dude's like sleeping on the floor <laughs> in piss. And like, I'm sitting there in like fucking khakis and boat shoes because I just had job interviews that whole day. And I was like dressed all nice. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Oh, I can't call my parents. I can't do oh. whatever. And so I got out that next, uh, it was like the next morning. Uh, I remember going to my apartment. I didn't even have my phone, didn't have anything because it was all at the precinct. And I just like slept for hours. I remember like, getting up, going to my computer and opening up my email. And I saw all these like random alerts from Hypebeast and from the Hundreds blog and all these things that I'd like, you know, just keep searches going. It was worth it. And it was, it was like, oh shit, this might've worked, you know, and nothing happened from Jeff yet, but it was this thing where I think once all those things started pinging that he had noticed and then it kind of turned into this thing. So, you know, I remember going in there for that interview, sitting down with him and him just looking me in the face and be like, hey man, you know, you're not just going to come in here and get a design job. It's not that easy. You know, you're going to be sweeping floors and doing this and that. And I was just like, I was floored. I was just like, fuck, man, I just got arrested for this. How are you not going to give me a job? You know, and it was just like mind blowing to me. But I think that that process helped me to, you know, understand, but also to put my head down and keep on working. And, you know, fast forward a year later when I had started ICNY, this brand that was a solution for me while riding my bike in New York, getting hit reflectivity, et cetera, that I was able to actually collaborate with Jeff and be able to look at him equal eyed rather than be his employee. And I think that that was a huge learning lesson for me to say, hey, like you can either work for people or you can work with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that was that big moment for me. Man, and ICNY had a, you did a bunch of collaborations with the uh, like Puma, a Absolutely. bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, man. You know what? And that was, I think for me, the, the probably the most passionate I'd ever been about anything. I think that for me, it was a real solution for my life. And you know, I love making clothes, but it was something that I actually felt purposeful for. You know, I'd been hit by a few cars around my back in New York, needed something to keep myself safe. And so I started making it for myself. I didn't make it as a bigger thing to yeah. start making a company. But as I saw the reaction to it from people really driving their cars, seeing it in the street, et cetera, that's when it all clicked. And but, there's like a pretty big bike community in New York, right? Huge. huge. And I mean, the messenger community, yeah. you know, et cetera. But, you know, it was... I think for me, it was just like diving in a little bit too early to something that was grandiose in idea, you know, like the idea that I was trying to make a technical sportswear company, you know, while never making a real jacket before or oh, making yeah. a full constructed piece of clothing. And then you're trying to compete with Issa Aura and Patagonia yeah. and all these people. And, you know, you're just in this place where like, I, I can't make a really well-made tape seam technical Gore-Tex jacket that also keeps you safe and looks cool. You know, and I think there was this like interesting learning process of all that. But I also got an investor, went through that whole kind of thing of, hey, I'm going to just trust this guy. He's going to throw money yeah. in. We're going to be good. Yeah. And I just remember like, just, uh, it was like three years in and all of a sudden my email got shut off. All these things got shut off. And it was just like, I got terminated from the company. The guy basically wow. decided I was not, you know, 
he wasn't really into it anymore. He didn't want to continue to invest. And it just wasn't a positive situation. So he just like wedged you out or just kind of closed the whole thing down? Just basically closed the whole thing down. I signed a bad contract. I was, you know, just young young. and dumb and thinking that, hey, man, this is the bigger picture. I'm going to grow this massive business. So whatever I own of it, cool. I'm just, I'm here to build this thing. I'm here to ride with it. Kids kids don't really get that these days. They just just want that. Exactly, man. And I think that that was the ignorance that I think a lot of kids today seem to have of just like, let me go. Just be creative, just but it's be like creative. I don't care about the money. But be a business person right. too, because yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, if you just want to be creative, go do it as a hobby. You Absolutely. know, and yeah. I think that's my big. Everyone's thing like, for, oh, I'll get my foot in the door doing it cheap, and then sometimes it labels you the cheap guy. Yeah, and then you can never go escape to that, that guy. He's cheap. Exactly, yeah. man, and it then becomes a harder game to ever bring equity to yourself, etc. And mm-hmm. I think. That was a huge, uh, just, I don't know, learning lesson in life of just going through something like trying to build a brand that, you know, I loved. And I think, you know, losing it all, I, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. I spent a month kind of just like, I'm, I'm fucked, you yeah. know? And then I remember saying, fuck it. I'm going to go fucking Vancouver to see this one guy I knew had a footwear brand. And I went to California to go see the guys from Pleasures and a few other people that I had known, you know, in California. So and, is, I just, I mean, interrupt. Yeah, is okay. ICNY still a brand? Uh, still alive? I mean, crazy enough, there's this guy in China who's been trying to extort me and try to like uh, do crazy shit to <laughs> get all my uh, all my old designs and factories and all this shit. Because like he, crazy, I was like, before we before we did this, I went and just did a quick Google and the website still works. So I was like, Because the guy out. basically waited till my old investor forgot to renew his GoDaddy and wow. then bought the domain, trademarked it in China. Set it up wow. on Alibaba and then has been sending me like super scary like messages on WhatsApp with like my social security number and like credit and all this shit. Like, okay, well, yeah. Addresses shit. where I've lived, you know, et cetera. Don't buy no more ICNY um, gear. Yeah, so don't buy ICNY gear. But um, <laughs> yeah, but you know what, man? It's like live and learn with these things. And, you know, I think ICNY is, while it's a sore part of my life, I think it was the best learning experience I could have ever gone through. Right. And I think all of us have to fail grandiosely to be able to actually learn anything positive in life. And it isn't you know, the best way to go through it. But I think that, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I think for me, it was, it's all about failure and then being defined by how you react to that. The main theme of this is like taking L's and how how you respond. Yeah. Cause none of us got here just by fucking winning all the time, you know? So So Mike, how did, uh, how did you come up with the name Chinatown market? You know, that uh, come about the whole thing was just kind of random. You know, it was like, I'd gotten to California. I was just hustling, doing mad freelance work. If I could make stuff for people, I was doing it. Like I was just every day, I was showing up to Pleasure's office doing graphics for them. And I remember just, uh, I got a call from a friend of mine um, who was offering me a free booth at ComplexCon. Yep. And uh, I was just like, fuck, what do I do for this? I don't know. I don't have a brand. I don't have anything. So I you know, got a call from my friend the next day and he hit me up and was like, I want to make a shirt that says, fuck you, fucking fuck. And I was like, cool, come to my office. Let's do it. Comes to my office, we start making that shirt. Then I'm like, why don't we make another shirt? Let's do it. Thank you. Have a nice day. Let's do, you know, a few others. And yeah. we just started going in. And by the end of it, we had like six or seven designs. And it kind of all started stemming from this idea of the fuck you fucking fuck shirt, which right. is a classic shirt from Canal Street, New York. And I think for me, that's really where it all came from. It was, you know, very much not this thing trying to just be like Chinese culture, but about the thing that was happening for me when I grew up in New York City around Canal Street. Yeah. And so I think for me, Chinatown Market is really what defined that. And, you know, it's about the ethos of like ask for permission, not asking for forgiveness. And yeah, kind of, absolutely. you know, just taking your own road to how you think you should be creative. That's I love amazing. it. I love the name. The name is so cool to me. It's just, it's become my favorite thing in the world. No, thank it's you, man. It's amazing. And we just want to have fun, man. Because yeah, I think that's absolutely. the thing that a lot of brands are lacking these days. Is I think they're scared fun. to have fun. Right. You, you know? know, and it's like you're just taking chances, which is awesome. People, more human. People have forgotten to take the chances. Exactly. When, when did you guys decide that you weren't going to do like the typical like seasonal fashion, like where you're going to do like the summer and the fall drops, or the spring and the fall drop, and you're just well, going to like do like limited drop on my gram right now? And you're going to so sell it's out. funny because it, it seems so calculated. Like we yeah. were just like, this is the model. But yeah. It was because I had all the machines at my fingertips because unlike all my friends in this industry who sit behind computers and just design and then send it out to someone, I knew how to make it all. So mm-hmm, yep. if I wanted to make a design or if I had an idea, I made just it. Did you it. know, the first Complex Con, I showed up with like 50 t-shirts of different designs that I had just come up with randomly or like a friend of mine kicked me an idea and I made 10 of them, you know, and just went crazy. And I had all these different shirts and it was that moment that I realized I didn't have to wait for this like seasonal yeah. thing and be traditional because what am I going to do? Every time you drop four times a year, then, you know, the other few months you're just crickets you know and you're yeah. trying to push this stuff for months that you've been selling you know that you release discounting and selling and sales and doing yeah. all the whole but even like the way you promote your shirts like it's so like off of what we're 
what we're used to. Like, Meme culture yeah, and kind right? of tying into things that feel natural because a brand should act like a friend so that you feel comfortable to come check our Instagram yeah. out, even if you're not buying something. It's, yeah, it's not fun. like yes. flyers made beautifully. It's just like black background, 20 minutes, yep. five minutes, you yeah, know. Like, exactly. like, this fucking guy gets it. No, you know, and it's funny because it's not just, I, I can't take credit for all of it. You know, I think that what has been so special about the team that we have is that they're really focused on kind of, like we give each different kid a login to the Instagram yeah. and say, Hey, contribute oh. how you feel. There's I think six or seven different kids who have access and you know, they'll post different things, et cetera. But it's funny because there was a time where one of our guys, uh, Dylan had basically just posted a huge thing that just said, sorry. And my partner and I just look at my phone and we're like, <laughs> what the fuck did he just post? And then we look at the whole caption and it's this whole wordy thing at the end. He's like, and we're just so sorry that we didn't release the shirts. We know we said we release shirts every day. And it was just like, ah, oh. but I thought that he did this some f- fucked up thing. Yeah. And he was yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. I was just like, what me too thing do we get called into? Oh no. You know, but, uh, but so, yeah, man. It's, so even back in New York when like you tell us about like working for Nike and like on that Bowery. Well, you know, I just dropped out of college. So I guess, so you this know, is before or after Jeff. Right. So basically that whole Jeff thing happened. And that's actually how I got this interview to work at this like kind of Nike customization store in Soho. It was called the 255 Studio. Mm-hmm. And it was run by this thing called Double A and Cartwright, which is like Kimu Meyer, Grotesque, and you oh. know, a few other artists, uh, really talented dudes. And, yeah. you know, that's how I really got into like customization, into making product by my hand and et cetera, because I took the skills I had from that company, Goodwood, which I used a laser machine to cut wood, to then cut patches. Yeah. So I was cutting these collegiate letter patches for your chest and for your back, et cetera. And then, you know, using embroidery machines. I was learning how to use a vinyl cutter and, you know, all these different tools for me to understand how to deconstruct a jacket, put it back together and be able to embellish the whole thing and do it all in one place. You know, and I think that was a huge thing for me of like first days at work, I was coming home with like 30, 40 t-shirts and just like making random one-offs for myself. And I was just kidding a candy boom, store. Boom, yeah. 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 And I think that's the same thing to understand as a designer is like, it's so crippling to just sit behind a computer sometimes and not see the real thing. And I think, you know, yeah. obviously in this massive spaces like the palms, it's like, you can't just, you know, look at a computer sometimes you need to see that shit. And yeah, I think you that, you know, yeah. And it doesn't it. come with, you know, sure. Over time, you get the understanding and you can just see it, you know, yeah. but I think that like anything, it's good to get your hands dirty. And for us now, it's like, I got like two to three guys working in just a innovation lab in our office who are just constantly churning out random ideas. Or if we have like something that needs to happen quick, it's happening. Or Erica Badu wants a sweatsuit tomorrow. I'm that having them pump them all out. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we made a whole like set of them for, for her for Christmas. And each kid in my office, whether you were a photographer, a warehouse guy, et cetera, all made a one-on-one for her, you know? That's and so I think, cool. I love that, that you've also taken that and put like, taken that into the Chinatown market. Like we do the one-of-ones. and Exactly. Like the, um, it's uh, called the Atelier yeah, program. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's like, you know, because all these kids want to be a designer at the end of the day. Of course. It's a reality, mm-hmm. you know, but they all can't be designers. It's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. Just like, you know, there's only one tall, there's only one in everyone, you know, and it's just, it's how it goes. And I think that, you know, for us, it's like, let's just empower these guys however we can and put them in the position to succeed. You I just, know? I, I think now the, the way things work, like being a designer back in the day wasn't so cool. Yeah. But now seeing people like you, the new athletes, like Sean Witherspoon, people yeah. like Virgil, like, like Jerry Kim Lorenzo, Jones is now, all these like guys. Kim Jones, like, like the biggest thing in the world. Joe Fresh yeah. Goods. It's like, yeah. I'm going to be a fucking designer. Yep. And, and it's cool. It's like, to me, it's fuck, man. It's going to make fashion cool again. Yep. You know, and it's, I hope it keeps growing. I want there to be, you know, I wish someone like Bobby would bring the blog back so yep. kids could see like how much is out there. Yeah, you know? it's- absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that I think affected all of our lives and mm-hmm. why we're like, mm-hmm. I'm here today yeah. is because of guys like Bobby. You know, I remember showing up to the block party as a just fucking random kid yeah. hanging out and now I can call up Bobby and have a conversation with him. And so I think those kind of things for me are those moments that I think make everything special because it makes it makes you realize we're all human. You know, yeah. no one's better than anyone else and I'm not better than the kid who I just got hired with. You know, I think that that's the reality and especially in Chinatown Market is like, I never want feel to, people to feel like they're lower than anyone else and it is a challenge in the business place and in a workplace and while building hierarchy etc but you know i want to support these kids and see them go off in the future and build their own things that's awesome so so does um mike the man does he still do uh like what would be the right word like consulting with other other companies and still doing like uh, some design work on the side basically because like the the kith logo and the, the ronnie fi connection like I don't think people even make that connection that that 
you're the, the, the guy no, that's basically behind the kiss sure. logo. ASAP Worldwide or any of these yeah. things. But I think that now it's about me doubling down on myself right now and saying like, you know, while I, when I first started trying to tell market, I also had an agency and I was doing events and I was doing production for round two and I was doing design for other people. And I was just like, whatever I could do to hustle, yeah. I was fucking doing it, you know? And if someone wanted to make a vinyl decal for their window, I was getting my homie who did vinyl decals right. and I was like, yo, you're going to do this. We're going to add $200 on top. You're going to get that in. I think I made like 30 Gs off of fucking vinyl decals last year. But wow. that $30,000 is not, you know, comparable to if I invest myself into this business full on mm-hmm. and if we dive in, 100%. you know? And I think that those are the kind of things sometimes to understand stand is like I think it's easy to get lost in the sauce of like I can do 20 things etc but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be valuable you yeah. know I would be spread so thin and I wouldn't be able to contribute properly and I think that this brand in the kind of growth that I want for it it does it needs the 100% you know oh, yeah, and yeah. so I think that's the biggest thing and anything that we do needs to serve the brand you know because sure I've been like approached to do branding for sneaker festivals or for you know concerts or for bands or for whatever and I'd love to, but at the same time, I'd rather put that energy into myself. And if I can spend the next five years building this thing and build it to this potential that I wanted to, then I can have the future to go do all those things for myself. Yeah, you makes know? Sense. And I think that for me, luckily, Chinatown Market is just like almost pseudo ADD brand because I can go make a sequin puffer jacket, a t-shirt. I can go make whatever the fuck I want and be able to tell that story because I'm interested in trying different things in design and challenging the idea of what streetwear really is amazing talk let's talk about the the smiley face because yeah. i know there's like a special way it works it's not yeah. like because obviously the smiley face has been around before yeah any you know, of us were born it's an interesting one you know it's a global license so yep. it's a company called the smiley company okay. uh they're based in london and you know it's something for me that when i had first launched into urban outfitters i got an email from them from their legal team saying that hey there's this company smiley we just unfortunately can't sell this shirt because it has a smiley face in it you know if you'd like to work with them then we could probably revisit this conversation. They'd already bought the shirts. So (laughs) all those shirts got taken down. I think for me at that time, it was something where I was like, I can keep on doing a boutique, do it myself, sell it online, et cetera. But if I want to take this thing big and go global with it, I want to just play with the big boys. And so I just went for it. You know, I think in retrospect, sure. There's people who tell me like, you should have drawn your own face or whatever. But I think for me, it's like, you know, it's helped to build this thing on the platform of what it deserves. And I think things like the smiley basketball now have a, a place in time that, you know, will never go away because it's become like an icon that transcends sport. And I think that that's any goal in creating a product is to make something that doesn't just get used for its literal needs, you know? I've seen like crazy memes of like Wall Street execs with their mantles, you know, they have all their awards and then they'll have like a cause and then they'll have a a Chinatown market basketball. And I'm like, whoa, look at that. Like on that level now. And it's crazy, man, because I think that's the thing we notice is that probably 90% of people buying this basketball are not for the reason of playing with it. It's more that they actually understand and identify with basketball positivity and fun and i think it's like all these things brought it together in yeah. a perfect yeah, synergy together so nice. yeah and it's like fuck i wish every t-shirt could be like that you know but <laughs> i think that product is special and we're always you know trying to tap into that same potential whenever we work on product right. i'm gonna tiptoe around certain things play on words mm-hmm. with your brand has been yep. a big thing absolutely how how did that come about Well, it's just tongue-in-cheek and having fun with things, you know? I think that for us, it's about pushing the limits, creating conversation, and, you know, as I said before, asking for forgiveness, not asking for permission. We want to try things and, you know, push the conversation, just like we'll go make a shirt that says, you know, Chinatown Market by Chinatown Market, et cetera, and it plays on this whole Mark Jacobs thing, and then Mark Jacobs is literally wearing that shirt on his Instagram, (laughs) and then comes to our event in New York, and he's doing customization with us, and they ended up selling it in the Mark Jacobs store in Fifth Ave. JC is wearing your shit. Right. And you know, it's these moments where I think it's just having to take the attitude that none of these people are going to listen to me. None of these people are going to wait for my email. They're not checking for me. So at the end of the day, I got to make them look at their phone and be like, oh, maybe I should check for this guy. Or maybe maybe we should have the conversation. And you know, I think sometimes you got to knock down that door, you know, and I think that that's a big thing that I communicate to kids nowadays is just to say, hey man, don't be afraid and you got to go for it. That's that's how it's been for me in this whole entire project. And luckily I have bosses who are, they get it. I just sometimes there's other people around that are like, why would you do that? Well, because like, there's like a no man's land sometimes yeah. where you're like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, right. but I'm doing it. I'm you know, and it. I think that that's the thing sometimes is just having the confidence that you're going to figure it out. Yeah. But I think that's why Chinatown Market became the way it is because, you know, at the end of the day, when I started this thing, it wasn't like I'm trying to build a, you know, $50 million business. You're not even thinking that. I just love making clothes yeah. and I'm going to find the best way to do it at the quickest way I can do it in the way that I think is going to be, you know, fun for the consumer. And I want to be different in a sense. So, 
Yeah, man. It was just like doubling down on ourselves, doubling down on the process and doubling down on the fact that we don't need a bunch of other people to go make things happen. For sure. Man, what's the culture like at the Chinatown office? Is it Well, you know, man, I, th- I think that at first, you know, I'd hired a bunch of friends. I had a bunch of kids in there who were trying to take advantage of things. It started getting crazy, you know? I mean, I remember at a certain point, I just kind of like, you know, there wasn't, I was getting texts from friends being like, hey, man, I just hope that you're good. You know what I mean? And I think <laughs> I was just running so wild and doing so much shit that when I would leave the office, I just hoped that work would keep on getting done, yeah. you know? And I think I remember just running so fast that I just got a bunch of kids to help me ship orders. And then yeah. eventually those kids needed jobs and I needed to think different things for them to do because not every day was a, was crazy, a crazy day. Yeah, right. And I think it was just like I started figuring things out and just moving around. And, you know, it was probably, I think, uh, two years in that I basically brought someone in to help me really continue to grow and build this thing because I acknowledged that while I could take this thing to a certain level, that I needed to focus on certain things so that I could continue to be creative. Yeah. Otherwise, I was not going to be able to seize the opportunities that I wanted, you know, and be able to take this thing to the level that I thought it deserved. When did you, like, feel like, oh, shit, something's happening? Was it ComplexCon? You know, I think there was, like, I remember the first ComplexCon, tiny-ass 10 by 10 booth, yeah. but I remember, like, we made... Twelve thousand dollars. I remember like having all the money in in cash, and like me, my girlfriend had all these photos of us like in the bed, like yo, it's crazy, <laughs> you know. And it's just like, because I remember, man, moving out to California with twenty thousand dollars worth of debt and not knowing what the fuck I was gonna do. I remember like the first month we made hundred k, and I was just like, holy shit, yeah. this is crazy, dad. Like you can't believe this. I might I'm make rich. A, this company might make a million dollars this year, you know. And but not thinking about oh wait, there's profit and right. loss, and yeah. oh wait, I didn't make anywhere near that much money. Overhead on yeah, this. man. You know what? I think the, those lessons sometimes, and not to talk about money too much because I hate you know that kind of thing but I think that it's it's just like almost going through those hard moments but also going through those little wins but realizing those wins aren't as big as you think they are and each time you get to that you know moment you're like oh shit there's like another so Everest to get moments. up to and yeah. I mean fuck man there was like four or five times where we went to zero you know and I didn't know how I was going to pay for the next PO or the thing but I never took money for myself I wasn't you know doing it like that I was focused on building and right. building and building you just got to keep focused that's the problem some people lose the focus you know we had ben in here a few a few weeks ago and just hearing their story you know like and they've been around 16 years man the hundreds yeah you know people don't know that yeah man and, and i mean i can't imagine how you stay focused you know right? this long and i think and bobby is everywhere right of course bobby and he's doing a hundred things he's an activist yeah. and a designer he's and gonna this be president and, and he's you yeah know i mean it's for sure like i look at bobby and i'm like i'm tired just looking at your stories yeah how did you do that 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 and that oh by the way you have two kids yeah and a wife yeah and you're happy you're all happy like yeah and that's just bobby's like he's been like a life coach to me so to me i'm always like sitting there like what? yeah you're almost like bravo yeah like, i'm amazed for you it. but i'm gonna i can't i don't know if i can take that on yet you know yeah, so it, it's it's awesome to watch and we only met uh i think two complex cons ago or whatever yep. and it was so awesome to just see, like, I remember, I don't remember if it was Ash, it was Ben and Bobby that walked me over yep. to your booth and they were like, Mike Sherman, he's next. This is it. You know, this is <laughs> it. And I was like, I just saw the line and the craziness and I was like, what the fuck is going on over here? Yeah, you know? Right. And then I just remember just seeing your booth and I'll, I just be instantly like became the fan. I, was no, just I like, appreciate that, man. Holy shit. Mike's the fucking truth. No, thank you, you, man. And I think it's the thing where for me, I always just keep my head down and stay in my little cave and I don't go out and party. I don't drink. I go home and smoke weed. I relax. I don't really do much that's going to inhibit my next day. And I think that that's a thing for me that as stupid as this references of like when Drake says he's in the gym shooting while everyone's out partying, I was just like, I did that for years. You know, when I was in college and all my friends were going out to the club and going to Greenhouse in New York and all this shit and whatever, I was just like, I'm going to stay here and work, work and figure out how I'm going to be the designer. Like, how I'm going to make clothes. How I'm going to do this. Like, how am I going to figure this out? You know, and I think we all have those moments where we have to make those decisions of right. like how we go. And I think there are some worlds where like in your world, you do need to be out. You need to be meeting that's these the people. Was, and right. And yeah. But that's part of your business, yeah. you know, and I think there's wins and losses to that. But, yeah. you know, I think for me, it's like, while I probably could have more opportunities if I was out and schmoozing and doing yeah, that. That's why I had this partner I brought in because I acknowledge that I don't have the energy for that. And if I went and did that, I wouldn't have the energy to be creative. Yeah. You know, I think that we all have our own energies in the way that we move. And I just can't be around hundreds of people when it's a party and I'm yelling at someone's ear, but I can be at a nice dinner and, sh- and you know, really connect with you guys and have a nice time. You know, yeah. I think that there's a, you know, time and place for everything. And for me, it's like, I got to keep my energy for, for work and for, for sure. what I love. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I always really give CTM so much credit for is like the cut and sew aspect. Like your guys' atelier 
No, like, thank you, man. I mean, aspect I cut of it, like, like you guys just released that Sherpa jacket. Oh, yep. like that thing's fire. No, but, thank like, you, man. You know, and we're trying to like, take chances now, like, because everyone wants to do like it's super e- easy just to do yeah. t-shirts and like, yeah. especially if you got like the niche where they got the cool sayings and the, Absolutely. the little gimmick there, like, cool, like, like just run that today's. No, but like, I you guys are like, man, yeah, do a shoe collab, do a Puma collab, then yep. do a jacket. Yeah, we're just trying to make sure that we do more for ourselves this year, more than just doing stuff for other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, thinking about doing pop-ups with you guys and thinking about doing other stuff where, you know, I think in the past it's been like, all right, cool, how can we get a corporate company to pay for our way? And then, sure, we'll do a three-way collab and we'll pop something up here, whatever. Mm -hmm. But we just got to start doubling down on ourselves. And I think that's a big thing for anyone who has a brand is to not just wait for the someone to come, but for you to kind of attack it. And I think for me, 2020 is that year to be able to kind of do that. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. What is next? I mean, I guess... Oh, we got a lot next. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could... Let's talk about Puma real quick. Yeah. That's been a great partnership for you. Yeah, you know, I think for us... And I mean, I worked with Puma when I was with ICNY. And I think... I remember when I first started Chinatown Market, these guys were the first ones to really even have conversations with me. Well, I think that it's like there's other brands that I have great relationships with. There's always a, a kind of hater in the room or a reason why it's not going to work. And I think that with Puma, they've given me a lot more kind of ability to be, you know, flexible and weird and have fun. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of these brands need to realize sometimes is that they're so rigid and not willing to be flexible that it doesn't allow them to, you know, do something authentic. And I think a lot of times I'm getting calls where it's like, all right, we got two weeks. Give me the design. Let's go. And I think that, you know, for me going forward, it's like I got to work with people who let us do what we do. You know, and that's where the Converse UV shoe comes from. That's Mm. where, you know, all these special projects that come out, I think, come from that place where a brand lets us do what we do. We had to fight with them to even let that idea happen. They were at the factories like, it's not going to go down. The ink's not happening. I'm pushing it, sending them ink, sending them these things, like trying to get them to get there. And finally it worked, you know, but it took two weeks of me pushing for it to happen. You know, so I think sometimes... That's the hardest part, I think, that what people don't see with these collaborations is like, you know, you see this huge thing with this massive corporate company, but it might have happened in a week. Yeah. It, like, you know, we had to do a shoe for the Paris game coming up in, uh, right. you know, with NBA and we're doing it with Puma. It's going to be worn by Terry Rozier at the game. And it was this crazy, like, I had this whole flame design on the side of the shoe it was sick. And it was this whole design that said Paris and flames. But then the Notre Dame burned. And right. I was oh like, oh, God. fuck. Yeah. So Ice we, had to, it is. <laughs> we had to literally shift this whole thing. And I had to redesign and I made it a tie-dye, crazy sneaker. Um, super cool. But, you know, I had to rush it within, what, like a, a, a day? Wow. And then, you know, we just had to pray that the thing comes out right. So I think, you know, there's these things sometimes where while it looks like it's so calculated and these, you know, all this stuff and all this work went into this thing. It's like sometimes I'm sitting in my computer at an airport having to figure out this thing now and come up with an yeah. idea and then send it off and that's it. You know, and so I think that's sometimes where this pressure comes from. But at the same time, like, I love that shit because I think, you know, like anything, we all live for this pressure. We all live for that game. And I don't know, I just love just being able to pump things out quick. It's crazy. Like the best work comes in like the 11th hour kind of thing. Exactly. As much as everyone likes to think it's this like beautifully calculated thing, like the UV idea, I took to three companies. That is like game changer. Right. And, you know, it's like those moments where I I had to go sit down with those other three companies who who said no and be like, guys, you know, I brought this to you first. You yeah. know, and I think it's funny sometimes where it just takes those moments for people to then finally believe in you and give you the, you know, creative right to mm. go and try something new. Yeah. Wow. That UV, that UV. That's so crazy. Yeah. Man. Like that is like, no. I, I, don't, I, I don't, sometimes I don't think kids even get that. No, know? for sure. But it's funny because it's stuff that existed when we were kids. Right. You know, no, and it's just absolutely. like, just like hypercolor. Hypercolor. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where it's like, it's this interesting thing where it just goes away. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm constantly just trying to tap into that nostalgia of what we had as kids. Because you can go back 80s, 90s, bring it back now. Kids would be like, what the fuck is exactly. that? Exactly. Well, it's funny how everyone like drops the 3M and everyone's yeah. like, oh, 3M. Or, like yeah. people have been doing 3M for so many years. Yeah. There's all these brands out now that I'm like, this is funny. You know, yeah. and I think <laughs> that's where it's like, you know, not to reference Drake again, but, you know, this guy will do a, you know, sampling of 20 different types of music and that's why he stays relevant because right. at the end of the day you're not listening to the same song Absolutely. over and over yeah. again you're listening to a reggae type of song yeah. an R&B track and a hip hop track whatever hip hop track yeah and I think that's even like sometimes what I assimilate to Chinatown Market is like you may not want to buy everything from us but you're going to be able to find something you like right. you know and that's what I'm trying to achieve is right. that I don't need to be just for one consumer but I can be for a you know 40 year old dad and I can be for an 18 year old kid in high school yeah. I've never seen you do like political shirt. Are you like, are you stay away from that? Like, well, I just think it's tough. You know, like I have a, I had a shirt that I was about to drop when I first launched Chinatown Market was right when Trump got elected right. and it was this whole like stomp out hate and all this shit. Right. And I was like, it just feels a little bit like lackluster for me to try to make a political stand, you know, sometimes where 
I just think that sometimes in clothing, that's not the no. It's not the place for it. Agreed. Like yeah, you know, I think sure Bobby because of Bobby who's who he is, it's a part of the hundreds, and yeah. then that's why it works. But if the hundreds just dropped a you know activism shirt without Bobby ever being a part of the brand, it, it would, would never work. have made sense. Absolutely. So I think that because he's the DNA, it works. But yeah. you know, I shouldn't have commentary on that. I can have a personal yeah, commentary yeah, yeah. on that. But as a clothing brand, like why am I going to go you know alienate some kid who may not agree with my political views just because I feel that way? You know, I think that. It's a difference between, you know, the business side of things and the personal side of things. Yeah. And, you know, my business doesn't need to try to become a political warrior. Yeah. You know, I think that I can do that my, myself and believe that I invest in the right things and that I support the right things and, you know, try to see the right change in the world. But, you know, it is a scary thing because every company does try to get held right. to these kind of standards. Yeah. And Well, because I feel like they're grasping for dear life. I'm not saying yeah. that uh, Bobby is in any way because I think no, the, hundreds is, yeah. the hundreds this year or last year it had the, one of their biggest years with all their licensing deals were amazing, you know. But I do see people doing it just to get on that train. Yep. You know, like like I know nothing about politics. Yeah. I watch politics in the morning in the gym with my boss, and I still don't know what the fuck's going on. Yep. You know, like, uh, but I watch everyone in in the industry like make a shirt. Yep. Or everyone is like fuck Trump, and it's like yeah. I, did didn't Obama do the same thing? Like that's the thing. Like I, I don't exactly. know, and, I think, and I, that's why I always shut the fuck up. Yeah, because I think it's even sometimes when people are like, "Oh, well, do you realize all the bad things Obama did?" And you're yeah. like, "Oh, well, oh yeah, that's kind of bad," you know. And you're like, "Fuck, uh, what do I do?" <laughs> and so I, yeah, I think that for me, that's why I stay away from it because it's same. like I'm not as educated on this thing to same. talk about it, right? And you know, I don't know about all the nuances to all these things, yeah. et cetera. But through world travel, I've been able to understand that you know, there's all these different cultures, all these different people, and we are not the greatest country in the world. You right. know, we're, we're, there's a lot of amazing things out there. And, you know, I remember my first time going to China and being like, I didn't think it was like this. Right. You know? And like going to Shanghai and be like, this is a futuristic city, you know, yeah. like Hong Kong, this is amazing. Like all these, you know, just all these things that I think we sit in America and if you're just a kid raised in California thinking that your shit doesn't stink and whatever, like it's easy to think that there's nothing else oh, in the yes. world. It becomes oh, so small. That's yeah. so small. Yeah, right. And I think for you probably like having family in, you know, in Israel and yeah. having all these different things and traveling these places where it's not just all okay. You Man, know? I didn't go back to Israel for 10 plus years, yeah. you know, uh, I couldn't. My wife and I went, I was like, this is the coolest place ever. Best party town, best yep. everything. And like my brothers and I go once or twice a year now just to yeah, go party. You guys go out there, yeah. yeah, we love it. You know, yeah. it's just fashion, the women, the, you know, the food, everything yep. is just so like amazing. And my wife loves going there. It's like, it's so rad. And my dad lives there too. And my, yep. I have such a big family out there, but you're right. Like that's just one place. Like I've never been to Japan. I've never been to China. I've never yep. been to Amsterdam. Like I've just... Yeah, I, just I think it's travel. so valuable, right? Yeah, it's like so I've, valuable. People need to travel to to know what else is out there besides yeah. this. I mean, know? just understanding like inter international business or even like in clothing. It's like I didn't realize Australia had the opposite, you know, weather yeah, than us. Or, yeah, you know, like I didn't realize like half of these half the world is just different. You know, right. like, like yeah, humidity in China is different than the humidity in Hong Kong, and like you go to Shanghai and it's regular like New York, but then you go to Hong Kong and it's fucking ninety five always. Right. You know, and it's like these interesting things where. I've had to learn and kind of navigate those kind of nuances of the industry. Just like I'm sure when, you know, if the Palms opened something in the middle of another state, right. that it would be a different approach than if it was here in 100%, Vegas. And 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, a big piece of this is like trying to tell its stories and not always great news. It's like the bad news aspects. Like yep. what made you pivot? You know, where was the fork in the road that deterred you left? You know, I was always asking like after you left the the Nike, they had machines that you kind of like yeah, so took, I, took hold of, right? Basically, it was like run by an agency. The agency sent an email to everyone and was like, hey, if you guys want to buy these machines, here's the price. And it was like crazy Liquidated. discounted. Yeah. yeah, it was just nuts. And for me, I was like, well, I can't really afford any of these things except for the vinyl cutter and a heat press. And so for me, it was just, that was my first thing. I remember I set up in a screen print studio in New York. My friend runs, uh, someone runs today called Look Studio. And I just had a corner of his office, yeah. you know, and I remember I just had the vinyl cutter there with a bunch of rolls of reflective. And I used to cut little polka dots and fucking cut the polka dots out, peel the whole thing, and then sit there like placing the polka dots on socks and oh pressing them all by hand. Yeah. And I remember I made like hundreds of pairs, you know what I mean? And just like all one by one by one. And I remember just like, then I had to go to Korea and go learn how to go communicate how I was doing it in my office to this factory in Korea. And they couldn't understand it. And I had no one translating for me. And I was just like, 
I, it was like the craziest oh, trip, my first time ever going to Asia and yeah. like jet lag. I remember like just being like, this is crazy, you know, whatever. But those experiences, what helped to, I think like humble me a little bit because I think, you know, it is a thing of where you come from America. You're like, my shit doesn't stink. I can just send this shit, yeah. figure it out. Figure it out. Factories in China suck. Like, uh, it's like, that's all fucking bad stigma because I think a lot of factories in America suck, you know? And it's yeah. like a lot of factories just don't work because there's no skilled labor. And mm -hmm. so it's funny when people like to say fuck China, but a lot of shit that's made in Italy has actually come from China. China and then finished in Italy. So wow. as much as people want to, you know, shit on it, there's a lot of skilled labor coming They're skilled. out. Hundred yeah. percent. That's amazing. Yeah, we can go on that for days. I guess my uh, my last question is what we ask pretty much everyone that's been on. You know, I, I read something that you know the average kid leaves leaves his parents' house at 26 these days. You know, yeah, I know. Pretty crazy, with, yeah. I know with us that didn't didn't yeah. happen. Uh, you know, I think they're scared. I think they can't afford school. They can't afford school. They don't know what they're going to do when they get out of school. When they get out of school, they just go to their parents' house. Like, yeah. what What would you tell the new generation to, like, you know, don't don't trip. Like, things yeah. are going to be okay. Well, here's the thing. Like, my brother's a lawyer. So right. as a lawyer, he had to go to school. Right. And then when he went to Cordozo Law School, he didn't get the offers to great, you know, law firms. But he went to NYU grad school. And then all of a sudden, he got offered jobs from the top law school yeah. companies in the game. You know, so... While I could sit here saying, you know, fuck school, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, figure out what you want to do. You want to be a lawyer, a doctor, you know, you want to, or, or any of those kind of like serious professions that require School. schooling, <laughs> go to fucking school and do it. You know, be smart, go work while you're in school, go figure it out, invest in yourself. Don't go out and party and fuck off. But, you know, for me, my path was double downing on what I loved, you know, and I think it was like. I could go to school and put myself into, you know, a quarter million dollars worth of debt, or I could say, hey, I'm going to pay this off quick and be out and go and get rolling, you know? And while my friends were out partying, I was working on graphics and trying to design and trying to do jobs. And all my friends who got out of college, they were just looking for their job yeah. when they got out. And I think that's the fucked up mentality sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's like, why aren't you interning from your freshman year of college if you want to go to college? Yeah. Go do it. If you want to go to college, go do it. But you better be working the whole time. You better be hustling. And you better be trying to make money. Because I think at the end of the day, and not in the bad way, just go make money, make money, but go try to figure out something because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you can't get out of school and just figure it out. You need to have real work experience. Any job I've seen is like they want real work experience, right. not like, oh, cool, you went to four years at USC, you yeah. know, because that doesn't mean shit. It's like you could have gone to the best school in the world, but it doesn't mean you're smart. So, you know, man, I think that that's my biggest thing to any kid out there is you want to do this thing like First, look at the path and look at some people that you admire. Go find a mentor that is someone that's not a massive corporate company, but someone that can invest into you what you invest into them. I think that was my first learning working for Chase Infinite was that, you know, I would do whatever I could for him graphically. I designed the Haroon logo for his coffee shop for this brand he started. Um, you know, and did a bunch of random stuff with the dude, but in return, I was able to meet a lot of amazing people and be in situations that I probably would never normally be in, mm. you know? And I think that that's the exchange that we all need to find in our life is don't just go work for Ralph Lauren because you right. think Ralph Lauren's dope, but go work for, you know, you like the palms, go work for tall because you're going to learn and meet the people that you know, are going to get you to that place. And right. Don't be afraid to continually reach out to that person until you're going to get there, you know, and don't be lazy just to send a DM, but be creative, that's, you know, and I agree with I that. think that's the thing is, sure, it is the easiest way. It's right there. It's at your fingertips. Don't be afraid to send a DM, but that you got to be more creative than it's, that. You and, have to, you know, it, when I came up with Aaron, when yep. he had agenda, it was funny when, when we would hire people, you know, they would always tell Aaron, like, I can't get a hold of this guy. This guy would never call me back from Ruka. This guy wouldn't do this. And. I swear, man, Aaron and I would just drive to these warehouses and offices and, you know, that's that's how it happened with Hurley. You know, yep. like Aaron and I went and met with Paul Gomez because no one would talk to Aaron and Paul Gomez is one of the guys that raised me in the industry. So, like, yep. he got us in and Roger Wyatt helped us out. Bob Hurley helped us out and Agenda, you know, became the biggest thing in the world. But yep. it would just be funny listening to these kids who are more lazy than, than anything because they're just checking off check marks you know that's matt and i always make fun of people is just like they're just checking off the box yep. and it's like no man you gotta like get on there be annoying and Try you can't be afraid to fail man i think this whole generation <laughs> is so afraid to so afraid. fail and i think especially with social media it's like i watch these people who are so skilled and i know so many people who have more skills than me who are just afraid to fail absolutely you know? and that's the thing is like i'm just vulnerable i'm allowed yeah. to let people see me fuck up in in public eye you know and it, you've seen the ups and downs you've yeah. heard the story of what i've failed on and i think that that's where people can identify th yeah. with things. If I just like made a smile on the whole time and acted like everything was fucking kosher, then no one would care. No. You know, and I think that's a thing, man, is that we all need to be a little more human nowadays. And with the perfect world of what the internet is, it's like, I don't know, we need to be a little more raw. 
Yeah, so true. Yeah, I like you that. like the internet, Mike? <sighs> you know, I appreciate what it allows for us to do as clothing brands nowadays, right. and I think that you know it's great as a creator to just be so connected to yeah. things. I think at the same time, when you know we have conversations like where Virgil's like streetwear's gonna die or blah, 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 whatever, you know, and <laughs> I think that for me it's like it's going to evolve, you know, and it's going to change and it's going to come something different. And, you know, just like why these designers are becoming celebrities now, it's like, that is the future of this thing, but it does shift the conversation yeah. and it, it changes the trajectory and it's about how you react to it because people who just stay doing the thing that they've been doing, they will fall off and they will not be able to work. And I think for us, we just want to continue to shake it up, whether it's, you know, from the largest retailers in the world to the most hyper small D to C business. And I don't know, man, I just think that all of our ideas have merit globally. I think that there's something about being creative and having millions of people be able to experience your ideas yep. rather than just a few hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big thing that we get lost in sometimes in streetwear is to say, well, I want to be the most exclusive, hardest to get. No one, like 1% of the world is going to know who the fuck I am, right. whatever. But I think that there's something special like that you guys got to do here in Palms is like you get to bring brands to go do pop-up shops. You get to go do amazing installations with artists, bring in people that you believe in and then showcase that to people who may not give a fuck who they are, but they can appreciate what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's so great. And, you know, my son like basketball. I want that basketball to transcend culture. And I want that thing to be something that even if you don't even know the fuck I am, what the brand is, whatever, that you just appreciate that thing. And that's why you guys, you know, probably affect people when they walk in now and they see the pieces up there, they see the renovations, all these things like they get that feeling like this is a good space. You know, mm -hmm. this is the feel this feels right. good. You know? you know, a lot of people still don't even know what we what we've done here. People I'm sure to today and it's not to not us. But no, yeah. I think people open up magazines and are like, why would people go there? Yeah. That place was cool in 2004. Exactly. You know, you're like, no, 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 no. We yeah, just yeah. spent 700 million dollars, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it's like and then people come here and they're like, wow. And they're like, wow. You know, like my mom came here with 30 of her friends last weekend, you know, and she brought people that have never been here. Yep. And they were like, what is going on? The last time I was here was 2002. And, you know, that was the coolest place then, but it didn't look anything like this. Exactly. And when you bring people like the family that owns this place, they, they have vision. You know, I'm not saying that George Malouf had a great vision and... At the time, that was the coolest thing. Of course. And then it got dated. But it just is how sh you shift with things. I think sometimes it's 100%. hard because when you've gained success or acclaim, then all of a sudden it's hard to see past all the things or get your heads out of the weeds because you're just lost in the sauce of all the success. And right. I think that's why I'm almost self-deprecating in a sense because I want to make myself feel like the ship is always sinking, yeah. that I am not Absolutely. on top. And I think that, you know, it's it's nice when I hear people be like, oh, I love the brand, I've been a f whatever. Yeah. But for me, I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, how do you I know, stay in here? I don't want to hear that don't juice. Don't tell me that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think Don't give me the juice. That's how it's like I've stayed driven the way I have. And I think just like anyone, you know, it's like you can't get lost in that shit. Or else you're just like, what are you really doing? You yeah. Because what is really success other than loving what you do every day and waking up with purpose? Yeah. You know? Well, that's yeah. that. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Thank you guys Time for having me. Hey, one quick thing before we go. Yeah. Did you ever, did they ever come at you for Newcastle? <sighs> you know, no, that, I mean, that's just a funny one. Because like <laughs> I started that when I was like in eighth grade and like I lived in this with the county in, in Westchester that I lived in was called Newcastle. And it was just like, I started my, my first ever clothing brand was Newcastle clothing. You know what right. I mean? So no, I mean like, it's still funny today. I'll get like random calls from like those Google ad guys for it or whatever that like somehow it's still on the internet. Oh, but that's amazing. So yeah, man, you got to love it. I had a brand called Newcastle clothing attire. I fucking, I did like so many dumb clothing names, like, you know, <laughs> but I think like anything, man, like Sometimes it's the one you don't expect that's going to work that works. Right. So, uh, yeah. yeah well, what's uh, what's your social uh, handle, Mike? Yeah, at at Mike Sherman and at Chinatown Market, thechinatownmarket.com. Come check us out. Watch our videos, our lives. We love you. Long time. Boom. Boom. Thank you. Yes. Yeah.